welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It, episode 76. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, we've got a good show coming up, and you know why. Why? Tell me. Please, enlighten me right now. Well, you know, but let's tell everybody else. This is going to be a great show because we're taking a listener suggestion, and I always love it when we do this. Our listeners give us a lot of feedback. Statistically, 1% of any kind of like audience for anything, whether it's a product or a podcast or any kind of media, interacts with the product they're into. We get way more than that. We know that for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We get emails like this all the time. We get texts. We get tweets. We get messages, social media, all over the place. And it's really appreciated. We love you guys for how attentive you are, how interactive you are. And if you guys, the listeners right now, have any suggestions on what you want us to talk about, or like actually something that's been very popular is a what-if scenario. And we get a lot of those and we love them. So please keep sending them. If you have any ideas at all, please go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email, or you can find us on Twitter. You can find the show account at joinnerdparty, and you can also find us personally on Twitter. I'm at the insane Robin. And you can find me at oh, the profanity. And clearly, yes, we do entertain your ideas. We can't use them all because we get so many, but when we come across one that we really like, you bet we will take it on and give you full credit of course so who submitted today's episode topic so the person who submitted today's show idea is the one and only pete weber and his idea was to rewrite the episode lit he who is without sin from deep space nine And as a note to Pete, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. Like, we're taking a spin on your spin of the episode because his suggestion really wanted to focus on the style of the opening scene where Sisko is having breakfast with Odo. It's a great scene. It kind of solidifies his command style. We get to see a little bit more about Odo's personality, and they're talking about the crew. And... He wanted us to focus on that and kind of pull focus away from the whole Ryza storyline. We kind of want to do something different because we might go back to that, but our instincts were really focusing on improving the Ryzean storyline instead. Now that said, though, I agree with Pete that that opening scene is fantastic and we don't want to tamper with that whatsoever. That stays. But one thing that really kind of got onto me with this episode was kind of the environmental purism type of deal. And we have to address that. We have to. And this one is, the reason why this one kind of tickled our fancy is because we're kind of moving away from the mantra of we don't rewrite bad episodes. We don't rewrite good episodes, just middle of the road episodes. Uh Uh-huh. We're kind of moving away from that because there's such rich territory (laughs) to rewrite bad episodes. And this is a bad episode, which is really strange because it was written by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf and directed by René Aubergenois. This was season five, episode seven. For those of you who don't remember, this is the episode where Dax and Worf go to Ryza 
and they're trying to have a vacation, but for some reason they're having troubles. Dax and Worf are arguing all the time, and Worf is saying that Dax doesn't take the relationship serious enough. And then there's this weird plot that comes out of nowhere where there's this thing called the New Essentialist Movement who are <laughs> harping on people coming to Ryza saying that, you know, the Federation has become soft and weak and we're too comfortable with ourselves and we're just waiting for the enemy enemy to attack and we're not vigilant. And so they kind of just wreak havoc on the planet. And Worf, Worf freaking participates. He sympathizes with these people. And he actually causes the weather climate control to go haywire for a couple of days. Like it makes it rain like crazy. Doesn't he hack into it and help yeah, them change it? He uses his own freaking tricorder to sabotage the climate control so that no one can go out and swim and have fun on the beach. They all have to stay indoors like kids at recess or something like that. And <laughs> it's just the ridiculous, ridiculous ridiculous plot line that really felt weird towards Worf because this is hardcore breaking the rules and like uh, yeah how did he not have some sort of court martial for this or something why was there no repercussions for that I mean like and the only reason why he turned it off is because Dax convinced him towards the end and earthquakes started happening and uh, yeah and it, it, he's like oh oh crap I better go turn this off this has to be some sort of light treason I mean right it's gotta be yeah, simple logistics here. If you're causing earthquakes, there's the possibility of some serious structural damage to buildings. Or injury. Or injury. Now, granted, these were not like the big one or anything like right. that. But nevertheless, Worf, what were you thinking? Uh, he just gets on board with these guys, starts wreaking havoc. And I I'm sorry, there could have been some far worse consequences than there actually were because this is an episode and so things are a little mild because we have to move on to next week but dude yeah uh, um, um yeah I, I would think there would be some admiral out there who would be on a secure channel saying what the hell dude you mean to tell me that a starfleet officer did this in the command division <laughs> right um yeah yeah, you would think he'd be having to do a little bit of explaining himself, but no, we do not see that. That, I think, is one of the biggest flaws of this episode. I'm just going to say that up front. There's yeah. no real consequences for some serious actions. This is not the conduct of a Starfleet officer. And on top of the all of the storyline, there's not a cameo, but like there's a guest star of Vanessa Williams, and yes. she plays Erendis. Is that how you pronounce it? Erendis? I cannot remember. Gosh, I watched this episode over the weekend and I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Anyway, she's <laughs> Vanessa Williams. That's all that matters. Like she's kind of like the uh, the lead, not the leader of Riza, but like the um, the head tour guide. I don't yeah, know. She, yeah, she's director like a, of tourism. She, yeah, she's like the director of events, you know, at at Riza at this specific resort or something like that. And she used to have a relationship with Curzon. And so it was a sexual relationship and Worf starts getting super jealous because he's he there's this moment that he walks in on Vanessa Williams and Dax having like a ghost moment with some pottery. <laughs> and, That's exactly uh, what that was. That just adds fuel to the fire for him. Right. When they're already having some problems. Now I have one question. They're going on vacation to discuss relationship problems. This alone in itself is problematic. You don't go on vacation to repair a broken relationship or discuss the future of your relationship. No. That should not be the intent. Why are you waiting? 
until you're off Deep Space Nine to do that. You should probably maybe have that talk before you go so you can enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's honestly ridiculous. The only thing I can think about why they do this, and it makes Worf look bad, by the way, is because we have to have Worf kind of just being this little grumpy pants the whole time they're on Ryza, right? Because, oh, you're supposed to be on vacation having fun and enjoying the sun, and meanwhile, he's just about everything. I feel like they could have... I don't know. Like, I think that's that's why we're here. That's why we need to rewrite is because we need yeah. to figure out the motivations. We need to make something a little bit more realistic and something that doesn't give Worf questionable intent and, and <laughs> like to the point where like he could lose a command or lose his commission or <laughs> lose a pip or, or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, it's it is ridiculous. So let's go ahead. Let's get out the whiteboard. Let's figure this out. All right. Let's do that. Hey, you know, we haven't brought the whiteboard out in a little while. It's a little dusty. Hang on a sec. Okay, that's better. All right. So right off the bat, actually, you know what? I want to ask you, what do you think about Ryza? to begin with like what, what what's your <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on Ryza is it weird that there's an entire planet devoted to pleasure is it weird that the inhabitants of the planet all are all devoted to tourism I know that like in Star Wars and Star Trek and everything like that like everything is uniform like you go to a planet it's a planet of warriors you go to this planet it's an ice planet you go here it's a pleasure planet you know like it's yeah there, there's no diversity within a planet it's all just one thing and we all know the limitations of of modern day storytelling but what do you think of that that's probably my biggest gripe is it's very monoculture. Everybody's there to be hospitable and make sure all of your guests have a good time. And really, Ryza is just a plot device to get people into bathing suits and explore free love. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe it's sort of like this exaggerated Las Vegas planet <laughs> where you go there to have a good time and take part in whatever your heart desires. What happens there stays there. But a whole planet does seem a little unrealistic. There's got to be somebody on Ryza who's just like, this place is BS. It's phony. It's stupid. I hate all these people that come here and trash the place. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the answer to that is, well, why don't you go someplace else? And we learn in this episode that Ryza is kind of an artificial construct. I mean, they have created their weather grid to be sunny skies and 76 degrees all the time when naturally that is not how the planet works. You know, I would love to explore that a little bit more. Like what are yeah. the ecological backlashes of controlling the climate all the time to make it like Hawaii all the time for a climate that wasn't supposed to be Hawaii all the time? You know, that gives a good uh, power to those, whatever the, what were they called? The essentialists. Them. That would give them a little bit more weight to their argument. Like, hey, in the long term, you are hurting Ryza permanently. And I feel like we could even take a further Hawaiian angle where if it's not just enough for, because I know that Star Trek loves ecological stuff where it's just like, oh my God, if you go past warp six, you're going to damage subspace. But but then we're going to forget about it. But then we're going to forget about it. We'll we'll make the, the engines go you know, on the sides. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. So we could also add in some culture aspects to it as well, where maybe this allows to add some complication to Ryza that wasn't there before, where it was all just kind of billed as a pleasure planet, but at the same time, 
maybe there's a population there, a huge population, who doesn't just want tourism, that doesn't want to be defined as a pleasure planet, who embraces the natural climate that is rainy or, or whatnot. Maybe the rain is integrated into their culture a bit more, and maybe maybe the the pleasure planet Rhysians want to expand, and the other side of the planet is just like, you have more than enough, you don't need to expand, we <laughs> need to maintain our culture and maintain our weather, which is integral and linked and everything like that and maybe that kind of goes back to Worf fighting his duality of I know we explore this or not and you can always tell me if this is stupid but you know I will <laughs> but Worf <laughs> talking about how my entire life I've been I've been surrounded by humans but I'm Klingon and so do I battle am I a Klingon warrior am I a Starfleet officer and Dax changes all the time so she's like embrace change it's okay to, to leave your roots and, and everything like that maybe that's kind of the battle back and forth I don't know maybe that's oversimplification but maybe that'll get the gear spinning hmm I want to jump back to the environmental stuff. You just constructed a great backstory for Ryza where maybe their tourist economy has really, really, really taken off since joining the Federation. And the deal that was constructed was there's a certain part of the Ryzean planet that has no tourism. Mm. It is preserved because maybe maybe it's sort of like our rainforest where there's exotic creatures. They want to study. They want to just keep it in its pristine state because they value that. It is a part of their culture and they it's important for them to keep that part of themselves alive. But now things have exploded so much that the tourism industry is saying, hey, look, we need a little more. And mm-hmm. then there's pushback. Because what do you do now? You have a dilemma where there's demand, but are you going to go against that initial agreement? I like that idea a lot. I think that should be the focus. Like I, I went on a couple of tangents, but let's start there. Yeah, let's talk about Worf later. This will be the main kind of. This will be the main plot, and we can talk about Worf and, and Jadzia later. But I like that idea that because we never heard of Ryza in TOS, but we did hear about it in Enterprise. But they weren't obviously a part of the Federation because there was no Federation. So maybe we can write in that they officially became a part of the Federation in the 24th century. Sure. In Picard's era and everything like that. Right, because Picard went to Ryza. We know that they're a part of things by then. Right, exactly. And so maybe that's the whole shtick where just like how... Bajor is trying to get a, be, become a part of the, the Federation. There's there's things that they have to concede to, and there's things that the Federation has to concede to, and vice versa, and all that business. And so maybe Rise is no different, where they said they're like, okay, Rise is awesome because we have this big chunk of the planet that we've cultivated to be perfect for most humanoids. And so we'll open ourselves to the rest of the Federation. And like you said, it boomed like crazy, and they keep expanding and keep expanding. And these essentialists are saying, listen, we cannot cater to the entire Alpha Quadrant. And here is why, is because we were talking a moment ago about the weather grid maybe causing long-term damage to the planet. What if it is affecting that pristine area of Ryza that they've set aside where there's no tourists? What if there's not enough rain and there's now there's long-term consequences happening, you know, where like... Part of the grid is making things perfect over here, but over there, things are going a little haywire. I don't think it's, uh, it needs to be, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but like, I don't think we need to go in the direction of, in trying to achieve paradise, you're losing paradise, which is a very common trope to go down. I think it's, true, true. I think we can go with your instincts and say, 
by trying to achieve and maintain paradise, you're screwing over somebody else. I like that. The natural flow of it needs to happen on the other side or this other area because that's the thing is that like we need to leave nature alone. There needs to be floods. There needs to be wildfires. There needs to be all these types of things. We just need to find a way to contain them. Right. There's always a price that you pay somehow for some sort of interaction Mm -hmm. with nature. Whether you see it tomorrow, 100 years from now, there is an effect. One idea that I did have going into this is what if we made this a little bit more of a mystery where we don't necessarily learn about these uh, preservationists right away, like their intent, their message. They're not out there lecturing and what have you. What if things are going haywire with uh, the grid on Ryza? The moment that they get there, boom, rain. Well, is this not the most unlucky vacation ever? Mm-hmm. Why is this going on? And then Vanessa Williams's character is saying, well, we've had this happen a couple of times, unfortunately, and we cannot figure out why. Hey, you're oh. Starfleet. You're here to help. Maybe uh, you could take a look for us. And they start uncovering maybe some tampering. And then that leads to that message of what they're trying to do, maybe. They're trying to mess with the grid to maybe balance things out so that the planet can maybe be a little more in its natural state and recover. Let me put a little spin on that because I I love everything that you said because I think that would be a great way for Worf and Jadzia to use their investigative minds and their scientific minds but also add some friction to it because like maybe one is more into it than the other. Like Worf is like Uh throwing himself into this mystery because he knows that it means that he doesn't have to discuss his relationship and Jadzia is aware of that and she's trying to pull him away saying like let's not do this full time. Let's try to enjoy ourselves at the same time that kind of thing. But on top of that, what if things are going haywire and it's not just inconvenient to the pleasure planet side, it's actually damaging it. And it turns out that the essentialists are saying they've been preaching this for a while, saying that, that we're going to do some long-term damage. And the Rysians that we know and love are like, yeah, but that's not going to happen for hundreds of years. We'll figure it out eventually. And they're like, no, we need to think long term. We need to think in the term of centuries, not just in the term of years. Something like that. Also, you can make the argument a little bit of sacrifice now means that long term, we don't have to pay that huge ultimate, we don't know how bad it will be price. Right, right. So a week, maybe we have a couple weeks of rain on Ryza. Is that so bad? But the tourism economy dictates we need it to be perfect and sunny every single day. We can't lose money. Yeah, you need to allow the planet to have seasons. You need to allow this specific area to have seasons because this entire area was not built to be like Hawaii that is perfect year-round. It was maybe like a continent or something like that that has the seasons and the change of the times and the right. and the weather and the and the and the temperatures and everything like that. Yeah. I mean if you think how massive a continent is. Yeah. I mean, think about just even North America cuz we're in the US. We have a vast diversity of climates throughout just the lower 48. Everything from Mediterranean here in California to practically it felt like tundra in North Dakota when I lived there mm-hmm. <laughs> to swamp Almost, you know, in the Everglades in Florida. And then everything in between. We've got mountains. We've got so many things. If you're trying to normalize a whole continent to be a perfect tourist temperature, yeah, that's uh, that's going to cost something for sure. Now, this is kind of the overarching plot. And I'm wondering if maybe the final decision could be like no one's going to change their nature. 
the essentialists are going to still be the essentialists and the the risings we know are still going to be the risings we know so what if a compromise is shared where they're like okay the essentialists say you need to bring seasons back in your side of the planet or it's going to ruin everything and the risings are like well it's only going to ruin your side so who the hell cares but <laughs> maybe it's Worf and Jadzia who they find the compromise where they're like, hey, just so you know, this shouldn't be news to you, but there are a lot of races out there who enjoy winter sports, who enjoy rock climbing <laughs> in the colder weather, you know, like who enjoy the, and they just start listing. Like if you look at Earth, which has every kind of season that you can think of, every kind of temperature that you can think of, there is tourism all over the planet. And so you can do that too. It doesn't just have to be beach volleyball. <laughs> Yes, some people maybe want to put on a wetsuit instead of a swimsuit or a parka. Yeah. Maybe you need to diversify the Rysian tourism economy and maybe the planet can breathe a little naturally that way. Yeah, and maybe that's the compromise. And so Worf and Jadzia are just like, oh, well, if an entire planet can compromise, maybe we can too. You know, like. <laughs> but this is a Star Trek episode, so they're going to think about it. We don't know if they're going to decide, but we're going to open their minds yeah. to possibilities that we did not even think existed. <laughs> because we're a monoculture and we all do things the same. And then, of course, you know, the music's going to play in the background. You know, <laughs> like they learned their lesson. All right. Yep, yep. And we're so happy. And then we come home from Ryza and happily ever after, right? Exactly. So I say we shift gears a little bit and we kind of go towards Dax and Worf. What what are they going through? What's the problem? Like they, they go there to fix their issues, which is stupid. But <laughs> yes. what do they need to compromise about? What's going on? And what is Worf scared of? And also, I feel like we can't lose the Vanessa Williams stuff because I love that. We've learned in, in other episodes that it's taboo for trill hosts and everything like that to rekindle sexual relationships with previous lovers and everything like that. And so we know that's taboo, but we also know that Jedzi has done it before. Yeah, but I don't think this got sexual, but they were having a moment. And yeah, I'm not saying that we need to push it over the edge, but I love that it raised the question that Worf is very fidelity focused. This is like, I'm not here to have a good time. I'm here to be with you. You are my mate. And like, you know, he's very, he's, he's very logical in that way. He's very loyal. And with Dax, she's just like, even like on the eve of their, of their wedding, she's like, you just want to, like, you want to have a spiritual journey. I just want to get married. Like, obviously they have two very different perspectives on it. Yeah. And they, they go into this a little bit in this episode about why this couple still works. I think the heart of Worf's issue is he's got a little bit of a trust issue going on. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that he is going to marry a a Trill who's had multiple hosts, has many different lives, knows a lot of people, has been intimate with a lot of people, it kind of weirds him out. And he's not sure how to deal with that. And so he's overcompensating, I think. He's feeling like maybe he's... It's not that he wants to control a relationship, but the more Dax is giving him how he interprets a message of... I've got a lot more going on than just you and I've got all these other people I can talk to and whatnot. He feels like I need to rein you in, which makes him look awful. Yeah. But that's that's, that's kind of what he's doing because he's insecure and it's toxic masculinity. It's a bad, bad thing. And until they actually sit down and discuss it, do you actually kind of feel a little bit for Worf? Like, oh, okay, that's how you're seeing things. But we don't get to that straightforwardness and honesty until, gosh, 
oh, what, three quarters of the way through the episode. So Worf <laughs> looks just like a grumpy, controlling, horrible guy for the rest of that time, which sucks. I would love to explore that. Like you kind of touched on it, but I would love to explore that a little bit more in this episode where Jadzia has, like you said, has lived many lives and has been romantic with a lot of different people not only different people but different kinds of people and gender and races and species and Worf has been intimate with one woman one time before and that resulted in a child and (laughs) now he's with Jadzia trust is a big thing for Worf too he wants loyalty and he wants trust and Jadzia says is saying you need to trust me because I will prove to you that it's okay Mm mm-hmm until they actually have that moment where they say those things out loud, it's just not real. So do we keep the whole soccer conversation where he bumps head with another soccer player and that human boy died because they contacted skulls and, of course, like, Worf's much stronger? Do we do we keep that or do we have him share a different story? Or? Hmm. I don't mind that story. It's It kind of serves its purpose. It's touching. It gives a little bit of reason as to why Worf feels the way that he feels. I don't know if we need to change it. Let me put it that way. Okay. I was just wondering if it's still... How do you feel? I was just wondering if it still fit our narrative because the whole thing was that, you know, Worf feels obligated to hold back his emotions for fear that he might hurt somebody else. Is that still where we're going? Because it's not really a trust thing. This story isn't about trust anymore and we're kind of going more towards trust. That is true. But I think going deeper, I do think that is a a good encapsulating story of who Worf is and how he has gone about his whole life. Mm -hmm. And maybe it does play in a little bit as to why he is so protective over Jadzia. That makes any sense. Yeah. I think, I think we could keep it. Like, I feel like it's a malleable enough story that we could change, like we could change the message to whatever we wanted it to be. Yeah. Like if we were playing around with actual lines of dialogue, I think we would have to lead into it a little differently, but I think it could still serve its point. Yeah, so we could say something like, I need to keep myself restrained because if I can't trust myself unrestrained, how can I trust other people? Something like that. Right. And then Jezia can basically say the same thing she said on the show, which is, trust me and I can handle it. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of solidifies the things going on with Worf and Jezia, resolves their issues. They can go home happy now. Okay, fine. (laughs) Since we had to resolve this while they're on vacation. I think it's still great. Hey, they go skinny dipping. Worf lets loose a little bit. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's adorable. And then we have that nice, beautiful visual of the sunset. Perfect. What about this weird little subplot going on where we have Quark, Bashir, and Lita joining them on the runabout to go to Ryza? Do we want to do anything with that? I think we can keep them there. I don't think it really affects anything too terribly much. I mean, it's kind of lame. It's, it's, it is lame, <laughs> but it's so inconsequential. It is. Oh, and it's just, it's more relationship problems because Lita and Bashir are there basically to break up. They're going on vacation to break up. And now I understand the breakup ritual is different for Bajorans, but wow. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're limited by money, but there's no way I would go on vacation with an ex to break up with them. What? Yeah. What did you What did you think about that? Like, if you were in that culture, would you embrace that? If you had the opportunity, like, if money wasn't an issue, say that you're Lita in that scenario, you're just like, you know what? Ooh. I because here's the thing for me. Like, I like the idea of it because I like the, I love the idea of mutual breakups where uh-huh. you don't try like I. 
I see so much of this, like I see so much of this and friends that are currently going through this and friends who have gone through it, I've gone through it, everybody has, where you have an intense relationship and then one party or both parties aren't happy anymore. And then while you break up, you decide to hurt one another for extended periods of time. I have never understood that motivation. I, I, I hate that about humans. And so if this was a ritual that was in our culture where it's just like, you know what? I'm not happy anymore. You're not happy anymore. Let's celebrate our departure from our union by going on vacation or meeting new people and shaking hands as friends and parting ways. I love that because I am intensely in favor of the kind of a relationship where you can say, you know what? I'm not happy. Hey, you know, I'm not happy either. Let's divide the CDs and let, let's let's go our separate ways and not trash talk each other on social media. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, I really did like that aspect of things too where they're celebrating the good times but things have fizzled out and they've run their course and things end up peacefully. I just, I do think the idea though of going to a pleasure planet, breaking up so that you can potentially hook up with other people <laughs> is maybe a little much, but if I'm Lita and if that's culturally what you do, that's normal. Mm-hmm. But Bashir's totally on board for this, so he's looking to have a good time. And I mean, he's a doctor. I guess if he gets some space STDs, of course, Bashir would be up for that because that's totally sounds like him. But I feel like <laughs> I think me personally, I'm not built that way. But I like the idea of it, but without that little last bit at the end, like the weird anonymous yeah. hookups at the end. Also, like the practical application of that. Why would you just not do it on DS9 and? Do the ritual, have a fun night at Quarks. Yeah, yeah. Drink it up and, and celebrate it. Have fun with it. I just, I guess it's just the whole idea that the opportunity for Ryza is there. I don't know. My mind can't wrap my head completely around that, obviously. But whatever. I think make it simpler. Make it simpler. Make it concise. You don't need to go to a pleasure planet. You don't need to go to Hawaii. You know, that. like that's that's weird. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And then just Quark there is the so-called comic relief. That was just, I don't think he needs to be there. I think, we, like, if anything, let's simplify. Yeah, can he not be there? The Bashir, like, <laughs> remove Quark, simplify Bashir and Lita. I think Lita and Bashir is more than enough to annoy the heck out of Worf. So we're good. We're good. You know, I don't think we really have anything more to say. I feel like that's it. We were very efficient. We did. We kind of attacked this thing, and it was a very efficient punch-up. I hope we punch things up in a way that is satisfying, especially to you, Pete, if you're out there listening, we're sure you are. Even if we didn't quite take the angle on the episode that you wanted us to, I'd love to know what you think. And I'd love to know what the rest of our audience thinks too. We had contact information at the top of the show, but one more time on Twitter, that's the best way to get a hold of me. You can talk to me at Oh the Profanity, Tristan. You can find me at the Insane Robin. You can find the show account at Join Nerd Party. And as always, you can find everything you could possibly need at the nerdparty.com. Now, next week, we're going to continue this awesomeness and punch it up. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.